This is Greeny with Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN+. Plus. Happy Friday, everybody. The 16th day of September 2022. Dan Grasa sitting in for Greeny this morning for the next couple of hours at 800-919-3776. That is our telephone number if you want to be part of the program here on this beautiful Friday with lots going on in the New York sports world, as you could imagine. Week two of the NFL season got it away last night in a real barn burner in Kansas City, which, of course, we'll get to. Jets and Giants with their week two challenges this weekend. Giants got the home opener. Jets hit the road for the first time, looking for their first victory of the season. Plus, we got all the baseball, as you could imagine, as well. Less than three weeks left in the baseball regular season. But one place to start is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Before we get into all those other things, we will start last night in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. I think that's appropriate because, look, there was a lot going into this matchup. And on paper, you know, this was as good of a week two matchup as you're going to get, certainly to kick off the... Amazon tenure and their relationship with the National Football League, the partnership, the tons of money that they gave the NFL. And by the way, there were a few people, more than a few people last night when we were doing the show, as a matter of fact, that were, you know, chiming in. And I was seeing that, you know, they were having some issues when it came to the streaming. And I'm curious if other people had the same problems. As I mean, me personally, from where we were in the studio, we had no problems whatsoever. And then even when I got home last night, there were really no issues. So at least on my end. I don't know what all the, you know, the, the chaos was when it came to the streaming. I mean, I, you know, maybe the Wi-Fi wasn't good enough from where you are. I, I don't know. But to me, it was pretty flawless. So I can only speak on my end of things. But if it was a problem for others, you're going to have to grin and bear it or, or find ways to improve it. What can I tell you? Because the NFL and Amazon and their relationship, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. If you want to watch Thursday Night Football this year, that's how you're going to have to watch these games. And, you know, I, I even brought this up last night. For those that are subscribers to the NFL Sunday ticket on DirecTV, you know, that, that's going to be ending at the end of the season. And when the NFL works out their new contract as far as the Sunday ticket and who the new partner is going to be, it sounds as if that's also going to be going the way of a streaming service, whether it's going to be Apple, whether it's going to be Amazon, whether it's even going to be ESPN Plus or something like that. So streaming is the way of the world now. That is how we're going to be consuming most of our sports. And it's just going to continue out there. But overall, I mean, like, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty normal broadcast. I mean, you hear, hear Al Michaels voice, Kirk Herbstreet's voice. I mean, it, it sounded like a, no, a normal NFL game. I thought the president presentation was fine and he got yourself a real good matchup between two of the better teams in the AFC and let's face it right now and it really isn't anything that hasn't been said before but if you want to even equate it to our two teams here in New York City you watch that game last night and I know that there are some exceptions to the rule but more often than not if you want to build a winner and you want to build a championship team, right? You need a quarterback. You need a legit difference maker at that position. Because last night you saw two of the best in the game going head to head. in Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. 
you know, you get reminded every so often. You get one of these games where both teams are blessed with that difference maker at the all-important position. You know, think about the playoff game last year with Kansas City and Buffalo when you had Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes basically putting points up on the scoreboard like it was a video game. And then you look at the situation with our teams here in New York, and, you know, certainly both still have question marks. Both still don't exactly know what they have in their respective passers. You know, the Giants are a little bit further along in the process with Daniel Jones. This is a guy right now who is going into a critical year number four, and now he's got new bosses and a new coaching staff and really a new set of eyes evaluating his every which turn and whether or not he is indeed the answer. And should this organization move forward with him as their quarterback? Not just, of course, for the remainder of this season, which you know he's going to be, barring injury, but then starting again in 2023 when they begin to maybe turn this thing around and they can look ahead to some better days. Is Daniel Jones going to be part of that process? And you're going to take the next 16 weeks to figure this thing out if you're the New York football giants. And then you got the Jets on the other side, where the quarterback that they took Just last year, with the second pick in the draft, the guy who they hope is going to be the answer at the all-important position, that's still a giant question mark right now. You know, they couldn't tell you one way or the other after just one season of a sample. And now this year, he's on the sidelines to begin year number two, and you still don't know how he's going to fare when he comes back, whenever that is. Next couple of weeks or whatever it might be. But the two teams that played last night, they know the answer. They have their guys. And there's other teams that also know those answers. You know what? There's a team in the AFC East that the Jets are going to have to deal with, you know, twice a year. And, you know, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills for a decade, probably more. They and the rest of the National Football League had to deal with that nightmare for the last 20 years, pretty much, when Tom Brady was up in Foxborough. And you couldn't shake it. And that's the luck, isn't it? To where finally, as soon as the Brady-Belichick-Patriots run ends, almost instantaneously, you have Josh Allen and his resurgence up there in Buffalo to where now he runs the division. And everybody is just looking for that guy, a guy that they could call their own. You know, in the Giants situation in the NFC East, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks in that division. I mean, Jalen Hurts, not a bad player, but I can't sit here and tell you right now that he's going to be the answer for the Eagles for the next 10 years. You know, Washington, I mean, Carson Wentz is a placeholder. You know that. I know that. And then in Dallas with Dak Prescott, I mean, like, they think he's the guy. You know, they're paying him like he's the guy. He might be hurt right now, but are you 100% convinced that Dak Prescott is going to lead the Cowboys to glory or back to glory? And he's going to be the answer for the next 10, 15 years? Probably not. I mean, you, you, you can't say that convincingly because they haven't won yet with him. But those teams that played last night, they do know. And it's amazing to me how so many folks wanted to write off the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Going into this season. Why? Because Tyreek Hill is now playing down in Miami. You took one weapon away from Patrick Mahomes, and all of a sudden you think that he's just going to crumble and become like a a pedestrian, run-of-the-mill quarterback? How is that possible? Still Patrick Mahomes. Talent doesn't go anywhere. they still got plenty of weapons. They're still well-coached. And oh, by the way, if you've noticed anything from the first two weeks of this season, they've reloaded already and reloaded in a manner in which you want to build your team. And I'm talking about, of course, the NFL draft, which is the foundation of any roster. 
you look at some of these guys that they have to deal with, with, you know, Sky Moore, who they drafted, Isaiah Pacheco, my guy from Rutgers in the late rounds, guys who are making contributions. And even on the other side of the ball, for crying out loud, you know, you look at that Jalen Watson play, you know, 99 yards to the house, a pick six. I mean, he's a seventh round pick, seventh round pick, and he saved the game, essentially. And one of the early corners that they took, Trent McDuffie, wasn't even there. That's a well-run organization. That's an organization that knows exactly what the heck they're doing. So, you know, when you look at our teams here, and Giants had a lot of draft choices this year. We'll see if they plan, uh, you know, pan out. Joe Douglas and the Jets, you know, that first draft class, still a little bit of an incomplete right now, but last two, you hope, are going to start to pay dividends here for you. For the life of me, though, when you look at that game down the street, and, and you look, both of the quarterbacks are fantastic. Fantastic. But somebody's got to explain to me that Justin Herbert, I know he's your guy, but what is he doing in there late in that game when he might be seriously hurt? And he might have said, hey, coach, I'm fine. I got this thing. But that one play when he's scrambling, he couldn't even finish the play and get out of bounds. I, doesn't that send up signals? Doesn't that send up red flags, don't you think? And I know he came back and he threw a dime his very next pass, but you got to think long-term. you got to think big picture. What are the Chargers winning without this guy? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So you hope that it's not serious. Brandon Staley, by the way, this was his answer after the game last night when he was asked about the health of his quarterback. Yeah, it was just a tough NFL game, and he took some big hits. And none of those big hits had any impact on him bringing his team back like he always does. Are you concerned about him going forward? No, no, because he's Justin Herbert. Herbert's ribs? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that, that's probably the case. I just wanted to clarify because he asked uh, if it was his ribs or if he just lost I think that we're going to learn a lot more tomorrow, um, but I think in that area of losing his wind and that area of his body, probably. You got 10 days to the next game. You hope he's okay. Because like I said, they've got no chance without him. And I called it last night, too. You knew it was going to happen, and it played itself out that way. The guy handling the kicking duties for the Kansas City Chiefs last night, our old pal Matt Amendola who the Jets kicked to the curb last year, two for two on field goals, three for three on extra points, and the Chiefs win the game by three. Every last one of them points mattered. (laughs) You cannot make it up. You really can't. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, feel free to do so at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. As far as our locals go, you know, we'll start with the Giants here first because, well, they got a win last week, you know? They're... Top billing right now because they're 1-0. That's how this thing works. The Ben McAdoo Bowl is upon us. Coming up on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Ben McAdoo, of course, the former Giant head coach, is now the one dialing up the plays for the Carolina Panthers and for Baker Mayfield. You know, he had some things to say when he met the media this week about his time in New York, and he said all the right things. He wasn't going to fan the Flames or, you know, provide any sort of bulletin board material that the Giants could go to school. There's only like a couple of guys, believe it or not, that when Ben McAdoo was here that are even still members of this organization, at least in terms of the players. They like Sterling Shepard's one of them, and I, and I can't remember, you know, maybe one or two others, but that is pretty much it. I mean, that's how long... It doesn't seem like it was that 
that long ago because the Giants haven't been winning, right? But I mean, it, it has been a good number of years since Ben McAdoo was part of this mix. But now they're hoping that Brian Dayball and Joe Shane, they bring a new breath of fresh air to this organization. And at least for one Sunday, you know, everything is coming up roses here for the football Giants. But, you know, this one, I, I, it's, it's a weird kind of feel, as a matter of fact, when you think about this game. At least like the feeling I've been getting as the week has gone on. Because everything is right with the world, right? Giants had a good... And I've said all week long, that win by the Giants last week in Tennessee, maybe you could put the Seattle one up there on Monday night too when they beat Denver, but that to me is the, the best win of the week. It really and truly was. Probably the biggest upset of the week. The fact that it happened on the road, the fact that they were down 13 to nothing in that game, and you thought that in the first half they were going to get completely run out of the building the way that it was going. But week two in the NFL, if we've learned anything over the last several years, you understand that week two is kind of like that big reality check around the league. That maybe, you know, that week one is the first opportunity to get a look at some of these teams because we don't know anything leaving training camp and leaving the preseason because starters don't play anymore. So you really don't get any sort of a gauge as to how good or how bad a team is. And so week one is the first time you see them all out on the field at the same time. But then week two happens. And then it's like everything that we learned in week one, you almost throw it out the window because, oh, well, here's another sample size. And that's why I think this one is a tricky spot right now, right? You got Carolina coming in off of a loss, game that they easily could have won, by the way. Sloppy game, but they got beat by a 58-yard field goal at the gun against the Cleveland Browns. And then the Giants played a good game. Gutsy called by the head coach, and they walk out of there with a victory. But like I said, I got a weird feeling about this one. You know, I can't go all in yet on the Giants, And this kind of reminds me, we don't even have to go back that far. If you want to equate it to a situation the Jets were in, go back about five years. You know, Sam Darnold's rookie year in 2018, which is ironically enough, the last time the Jets won a game in the month of September. It was that Darnold debut on Monday night in Detroit. They blew out the Lions that night. They got the rookie quarterback. You think that he's the answer. You think that the Messiah has finally arrived. Then they come home week two for their home opener against Adam Gase's Miami Dolphins. Place is going crazy. You think they're just going to go out there and roll over to a victory because, hey, you got the quarterback. This is a new leaf. Things are changing finally here. And then what happened that day? They lose. They lay an egg. Then they go to Cleveland a few nights later on Thursday night, and then boom, you lose to the Cleveland Browns. And that was like the first game the Browns had won in like two years. Remember that? So this is going to be a tough one for the Giants. They just can't step out on that field and be like, hey, we're good enough to just show up and, you know, lace up our sneakers because, hey, we're 1-0. I think if you're talking about the Giants and if you're trying to attack, okay, what's the best course of action for them? How do they go about winning this football game? I think first and foremost, you have to go with the same formula that led them to a victory on Sunday in Tennessee, and that's going to start with the ground game, and it's going to start with Saquon Barkley. I'm not saying that they're going to run the football as effectively as they did against the Titans, but, you know, Barkley was probably the most encouraging takeaway that you had from that first game, apart from, like, the actual result. And I thought that he would be primed for a big season. He looked healthy in training camp. You know, that burst that maybe we had not seen since his rookie year back in 2018, there was signs of that, right? There was evidence, okay, maybe this guy is over the latest hurdle, and maybe that he is going to get back to being that player that, 
the Giants and much of the NFL world thought that he was going to be. Maybe not worthy of the number two overall pick because he's a running back, but that's neither here nor there. So you got to be encouraged by that. Furthermore, you look at this Carolina team, and they got absolutely gashed on the ground. Cleveland had their way with them. Cleveland ran for over 200 yards. They dominated that game in the trenches. Now, I'm not naive enough to sit here and tell you that the Giants have as good of an offensive line as the Cleveland Browns do because they don't. You know, that is the Browns' bread and butter. It's running the football, and the Jets are going to have to deal with that on Sunday. We'll get to that in just a second here. But if Cleveland can find ways to move the ball up and down the field with certainly a very suspect quarterback in Jacoby Brissett, you mean to tell me the Giants can't do something similar? And Brian Dayball maybe can't throw a few wrinkles into that game plan to keep the Carolina Panthers guessing? I mean, the Panthers have some talent on that side of the ball. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that they don't. But I think the Giants can move the ball on them. I mean, you know, the Panther defense is not exactly the 85 Bears. They got some playmakers, but, you know, you can move the ball on them. Giants are going to have the crowd on their side. You heard Wink Martindale yesterday basically urging every single Giant fan to be in their seats and to be loud and to, to show up and root for their team, and that's what you're supposed to do. You know, there haven't been a lot of Sundays over all these last recent years. You know, with the Jets or the Giants, but specifically the Giants, we're talking about them, where you say to yourself, well, you know what? I feel good about this team. I'm excited. I, I, I like what they have to offer, potentially. And the other thing, you know, speaking of running backs, that the Giants could probably expect to see here is a very heavy dose, a very heavy dose of Christian McCaffrey. He is the engine that makes that offense go for the Carolina Panthers. Right, But Christian McCaffrey, his problem is he can't stay on the field. But when he's on the field, he's great. Remember last year at Carolina when Darnold was their quarterback? They started off 3-0. and And then what happened? Christian McCaffrey got hurt. And then everything just completely crumbled for that football team. McCaffrey only got 14 touches in that game last week. 14. You can expect to see a heavier dose of him on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. And if not, I, I mean, then I don't know what Ben McAdoo and, and, and Matt Rule are trying to do. What are they looking at this thing as like a long-term process? Like, oh, we want to, you know, limit his... Like, like they baby a pitcher in baseball? Oh, we want to limit his innings, right? Low-stress throws and that type of thing. Are they doing that with McCaffrey? You know, limit his touches because it's a 17-game season? Please. You know, those folks in Carolina, they got to win games or else they're all going to be looking for work. And then the last thing here with the Giants, you know, it's one game. But even before that first game, when you sat here and you mapped out, okay, what is this season going to be like for the Giants? You looked at the schedule. And there was a clear difference between what the Giants had laid out in front of them versus, let's say, what the Jets had on paper, right? Because the Giants in the first 10 weeks of the season on paper – You had some opportunity there. You had some very, very winnable games. I mean, right now you're entering a stretch where you're going to be playing three straight home games against Carolina, the Chicago Bears, and then sandwiched in between them on a Monday night, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, without Dak Prescott. You mean to tell me those three games are not all winnable games for this football team? I know you don't want to get too crazy, but on the surface, those are winnable football games for the Giants. And then you fast forward a couple of weeks down the road, you know, you got a trip to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. You got to go out to Seattle and, you, and, and take on Geno Smith and the Seahawks. You got the Texans coming in. You got the Lions coming in. Those are winnable football games. And 
you know as well as I do that they're not going to win each and every one of them, but there's still a chance. There's still a possibility, and I think that if you're a fan, you got to love that stuff. You've got to love it. But take care of business on Sunday. I think it's a tricky spot personally. Is it winnable? Yes. But should the Giants just walk out onto that field thinking, oh, yeah, we're going to win the game? Oh, yeah, we'll win it. No problem. We're the Giants. We're 1-0. Home opener. Careful. Careful, careful. 800-919-3776. That is the phone number. Let's go to the phones. Bob is in Edison. He's going to be first up here. Dan Grassa in for Greeny, 98.7 ESPN. Bob, how are you? Morning, Dan. How you doing? Bobby, what's going on? Uh, listen, um, before the season started, I think you would agree that most knowledgeable NFL people thought the Seahawks, the Bears, the Texans were going to be, you know, the dregs of the league. Right. And, and two of them won, and the Texans tied. And being a, over a 50-year Jets fan, I'm more than – I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear Robert Sala. Mm-hmm. Just, just win. <clears throat> I'm sorry. He always comes up with a, a reason for this, a reason for that. Just win. I'm sick of. And we weren't even competitive in the second half. The game was over in the you know the end of the, by the end of the third quarter. I mean what? I mean what are we talking here? I mean the the Bears could beat the Niners. The Seahawks could beat Denver, and people had high expectations for both those teams, and we're out of the game in the third quarter in our home opener. I'm sick of it. Yeah, Bob, I hear what you're saying, and I thank you for the phone call. Go get yourself a swing of water too, buddy. You know, we don't want that throat to dry out on you. Um, A couple of things. I'm going to go back to what I said a little while ago. It's week one. It's one game. You know, I could sit here and I could get – I could – you know, for the next two hours, give you examples of teams that started the season 0-2 and went on to have good seasons. I mean, there's teams that started 0-2 and won Super Bowls. Jets went to an AFC championship game in 98. They started 0-2 under Parcells. Cowboys in 93, when Emmett Smith was holding out, remember, they started 0-2. They won a Super Bowl, right? It's, it's one week. It's one game. And that game last week with the Chicago and the 49ers game, that game was played in a monsoon. I don't know if you had a chance to see it. It was like a quagmire. You know, Noah was sitting there in the first row. Noah's Ark, him and all the animals. That's how bad it was. So that is the great equalizer with the elements. And not for nothing, too. You know, when you look at the Jet performance, and I know everybody wants, you know, same old Jets, same old Jets. They couldn't win. They lose again. Blah, 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 blah. Did we ever stop and think for a second that as opposed to, let's say, the Chicago Bears or the Seattle Seahawks or whoever – do we think the Ravens are a good team? Like, I, right? I mean, I would like to think so. I think they're going to win that division. You know, last year, they were probably as banged up a team injury-wise as maybe any team in the National Football League. And that's why they had a subpar season and missed out on the playoffs. But if they stay healthy and, and, and they do what they're supposed to do, Ravens are going to be a good team. So weeks from now, when we look back at that week one performance... Are you going to say same old Jets, or are you going to say, well, the Jets lost to a really, really good Ravens team? Like, that's what cracks me up, Like, and, and I just look at this stuff for fodder. 
all the different outlets. They all do their like power rankings each week and so on and so forth. And everybody's burying the Jets, you know, laughing at them, bottom feeders of the NFL. Well, this year is no different than any other year, blah, blah, blah. But on the same token, they got the Ravens as like one of the top like six, seven teams in the NFL. So wait a sec. Jets are a laughing stock. Jets aren't any good. But yet what you're also telling me is that they lost to one of the best teams in the NFL. So which one is it? Now, did they play a perfect game? Of course not. They were sloppy. They left a lot of plays out on the field. Mistakes, all those things. But they might have played a really good game, a near perfect game, and still lost because the Ravens are one of the better teams in football. And I could also give you positives from that game. You don't want to hear them, but I can give you them. That Baltimore rushing attack was... Baltimore's run game has probably been the best in the... Not probably. It's been the best in the NFL for the last three years. Led by that quarterback. Baltimore ran for like 60-something yards on Sunday. They kept Lamar Jackson at bay in terms of him making plays with his legs. Now, unfortunately, they had a breakdown in the secondary, and that led to a big touchdown. But I thought the game was almost over at that point by the time he hit Bateman. And then he threw a couple of dimes. You know, one, the one touchdown to DuVernay. Bryce Hall was all over him. He put it where only his wide receiver can get it. That was a great pass. Right? It happens. And oh, by the way, Jets were also playing with a 37-year-old backup quarterback. Any other team, you're saying, oh, well, they didn't have their quarterback. That understands why. Let's see what happens on Sunday. Let's see what happens on Sunday. Before we want to, you know, issue a final verdict, if you will. 800-919-3776. Mike is in Manalapan. He's up next. Dan Gross in for Greeny here on 9870 ESPN. Michael, how are you? Hey, Dan. How you doing? Hey, Mike. Um, you know, I was, I, I was calling about Sala. Yeah. And his little, his little uh, you know, rant on uh, Monday or Tuesday mm-hmm. about, you know, um, you know, if you're not on the boat now, don't expect to come back. Mike, r- real quick, hey, Mike, hey, let me hey, interrupt hey, you for a second. Yeah. Real, man, I'll let yeah. you finish. Just, I am amazed because Bob, the first caller, and now you, I am still shocked that, what, almost five days later, this thing is still caused as much of a disturbance in Jet Nation as it has. I really and truly am. Well, all right, so, so if I can explain myself. Yeah, go ahead. Because it's just, ins- it's just insulting. You know, first of all, build a boat that floats. It's 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 sinking, it, you know, it, 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 and and he had, and he wants no gas, no brakes. His car, I mean, uh, all gas, no brakes. It's all gas. There's no hubcap. There's no engine. <laughs> there's no uh, back seat. There's no steering wheel. You know, it's like so, the planes, trains, and automobiles car. How did it pass yeah, inspection? <laughs> so Sala, you know, says this stuff. But hey, hey, Sala, the people you just kicked off your sinking boat are still the same ones that paid for tickets for the last 10 years while they stink. And, you know, don't be so sensitive. The same fans that you say are so sensitive, and they're not even ripping the team. They're just expressing what they see. No improvement, no adjustments in the second half, same things. And also, the same people that you say get so you know, extreme over a loss are the same people that if you actually win a game, will jump to the other side. So then don't, you know, don't start appreciating him then. But he's just so sensitive. And the thing is, like, so with the Giants, in the first half, they look terrible. So you're looking at it, you're like, great, same thing as last year. Second half, they made adjustments. The game changed. The Jets, same thing. It was like, an, it was like game 18 of last year. And then he talks about Douglas having an expansion team and how great he's done since then. So if Douglas has done so great, Salah, 
Why is the team still bad? Because you're a bad coach, you're not coaching them? You know, he can't have it both ways. All you need to see is improvement. There's been no improvement. You might have better players. It's still the same mistakes. There's no adjustments. Uh, You know, defense is on the field too long. They give up a big play. Uh, The the offense, there's there's just nothing to see change. So how are we supposed to listen to the rah, rah, rah when you won four games last year, you're 0-1 this year, you're Mm -hmm. talking about change, but there's been no change. That's my thing. Like, don't come out and expect people to change their minds. You have to change your mind when you see change. Enough with the talk. You can go in and get this team rah, 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 but until you see, like, something dramatic, like, change on the field, it's not going to – you're not going to get – Mike, you're right. Mike, 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 you're right, and, and I thank you for the phone call. You're, you're right about that, all right? And I'm sure if you're a lifelong Jeff fan, and Mike certainly is, and a lot of people out there are, Right? You want results. You don't want to hear that stuff anymore. But let me try to explain it from Robert Sala's point of view. All right, let me, let me, let me play like amateur psychologist here. And I didn't speak to him about it, so I don't know, but I'm just from, from my interpretation of it. Remember something. Robert Sala grew up in Michigan. He wasn't a Jet fan his whole life. I don't know what team he rooted for. Maybe he was a Lions fan. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. Lions are even a tougher team to root for than the Jets. But his whole life was not consumed with jet misery and jet heartbreak like a lot of people in our areas were, right? He doesn't know about the fake spike with Dan Marino. He doesn't remember about the heartbreak of, you know, missing out on the playoffs in 97 in the final week in Detroit with Parcells. He doesn't know about the mud bowl. He doesn't know about Vinny popping his Achilles week one in 99. All the, you know, all the other things that went wrong. And I could sit here and bore you with it for two hours. I'm not going to do that, though. So he doesn't know what the Jet fan has been through, all the wounds and all the scars from supporting this team. So then you have this guy right in from out of town, and he's talking about, I'm keeping receipts and this and that. So to the average fan, he's probably thinking, well, who are you? You don't know what I've been through. Don't walk in my shoes unless you've been in my shoes. But he's just trying to say, hey, man, I haven't been affected by this Jet history, right? That hasn't been a part of my life. All I know is the last couple of years since I've been here, and I'm doing my damnedest to make sure that this thing turns around because I don't want to be another chapter in Jet history for all the negative reasons. And if I'm a fan, I'm looking at that and saying, all right, I admire this guy. He wants to turn things around as much as I do. And if you think that they don't want to win more than a fan, I mean, guys, that's where you're off base. I know you're passionate. I know you want this team to turn it around, but this is this livelihood. These guys put in like 12, 14-hour days around the clock. They live this stuff. You know, you may only have to deal with it for a few hours on Sunday and maybe a couple of hours after and the next morning and when you're seeing people talking about football and then you think about your team and you're like, oh, I wish we could win a game. But this is their life. And you know what? He wants to win even more because if he don't win, he's going to be out of a job. And he's going to have to uproot his family and they're going to have to go move someplace else. And nobody wants that stuff. Before we get into the Jets-Browns this week, a couple of notes as Robert Sala is meeting with the media now, as a matter of fact, and as far as the injury update is concerned for Sunday, said that Jordan Whitehead is going to try and play. I know that they were a little bit more pessimistic with him earlier in the week, dealing with an ankle injury, so he's made some good progress over the last couple of days to where it looks like he's going to be able to give it a go. CJ Uzama's dealing with a hamstring. He's going to be a game-time decision. Now, remember, Uzama really didn't get a lot of playing time in week number one. It was kind of surprising to all of us. You know, he had come into this thing as the 
starting tight end, and he just didn't see the field. I mean, the tight ends really weren't all that incorporated too much last Sunday into the game plan. They came out in that 13 personnel look, but as they fell behind, I guess they got a little bit further away from those type of things, and you know, it was Tyler Conklin who actually got the lion's share of the playing time at the tight end position. I mean, C.J. Uzama only played 23 snaps on Sunday, 23 out of 84. Now, he was nice enough to come on with Greg and myself in the postgame show at the Coaches Club after the game, and he's a great dude, but, um, you know, he's supposed to be a big part of this offense here, so you hope that it's not anything too serious that's going to knock him out if it is just this Sunday. You hope that's it and not anything long-term. And he also said that Braden Mann is going to be a game-time decision as well. He's dealing with some back spasms. He's going to punt today in practice. Remember, the Jets signed Ty Long, the former Charger, uh, to their practice squad and to have him ready at a moment's notice just in case that uh, Braden Mann is not able to go this week. So this is, you know, we can uh, essentially term this game on Sunday the keeping receipts game for the Jets. Right. This is going to be their first audition since Robert Sala went out there and made those comments on Monday, which is now basically set off a forest fire in terms of the conversation here on this channel and everywhere as far as covering the Jets. And I've been saying this really all week. This is an opportunity, and I know that you don't want to think of games in these terms, right? You don't really want to ever look at it that way because you just want to be able to line up and go out there and try to win a game. But this is an opportunity, I think, for the Jets to maybe catch the Browns napping a little bit. And I'll tell you why. Browns are playing their home opener. Coming off of a win. Remember, Browns don't win. You know, they don't have this, like, rich tradition. (laughs) You know what I mean? This is actually the first time the Browns could start a season 2-0 since 1993. We're talking almost 30 freaking years. That's how bad it's been for them. That was when Bill Belichick was their head coach. So that is what is at stake for them. They're not used to this type of prosperity. It's the lowly Jets who are coming into town. Same old Jets. Butt of jokes. Losing their first game of the season, making mistakes. And then the other component to this whole thing is that the Browns are going to be on a short week here. Browns have to turn around and play again on Thursday night. And guess who they're playing on Thursday night? They're playing one of their arch rivals in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you can easily, human nature, right? See them looking ahead and they got that Steeler game circled on the calendar. And then it's, oh, Jets are coming in here on Sunday. Oh, we'll we'll roll over them. No problem. Careful. Careful. And if you're the Jets, you want to relish in that opportunity. And it's going to be the defense. They're going to have to be the ones that lead the charge. Maybe all season long. You hope not. But certainly until Zach Wilson returns at the earliest. They stopped Baltimore's run game last week. They're going to have to do the same to the Cleveland Browns. Because Cleveland can run the ball. They are no joke. And this is going to be a game like most are, but decided in the trenches. And if the defense, I think, plays as even as well as they did last week, Jets are going to have a shot to win this game. Because you want to make the Browns one-dimensional. And it's a lot easier to do that on Sunday because Jacoby Brissett is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game anyway because Jets still have Joe Flacco. This is going to have to be one of those ugly, maybe, you know, 20 wins it type of games if you're lucky maybe both teams don't even score 20 I can even see that happening because Cleveland's defense is also legit Miles Garrett is a game wrecker 
And if you go back and you think about how that Jet offensive line played on Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland's got a better defense than Baltimore does. They just do. Okay, Ravens don't have anybody on their team as gifted as Miles Garrett, at least on that side of the football. Miles Garrett wrecks games. And that left side of the offensive line with George Fanton, Lake, and Tomlinson, two guys who, you know, are the veterans that you expect to kind of hold things up. Fan had a little bit of a shaky game. You want to give him a pass because, you know, he had been alternating from the left side to the right side and vice versa pretty much all camp with the Mackay Becton and now the Dwayne Brown injuries. And Lakin Tomlinson, you know, he got beat on a couple of plays last week. And this is a guy who was a pro bowler, was brought in to be, you know, that stabilizing presence at left guard, a guy who knows the system. You figure those two guys are going to shore things up a little bit on Sunday. You know, run the football. Thought they ran the ball well last week. They gave up on the run because they fell behind and you had to start throwing it. You're not going to have Joe Flacco throw it 59 times again. You can't have that. That is a recipe for a loss. <laughs> a loss. And then I think the other thing that bears watching with this game, quite simply, how long is the leash going to be for Joe Flacco? All right? I don't think that you know you go to the bullpen to start this week because that's a panic move. Right? You evaluated the entire offseason, you evaluated training camp, preseason, and you came to the decision that Flacco is the best guy to play quarterback, if not Zach Wilson. So you're not just going to abandon that plan after one game. However, this is a winnable game on paper. If the other team is missing their starting quarterback, it's a winnable game. And if the offense goes out there, I think, for the first half on Sunday, and they're lumbering just like they did last week, If I'm coaching the team, I'm thinking long and hard about maybe looking for a spark and turn it to Mike White. Because you can't let this season slip away again. You can't just keep punting away these games in the month of September. I mean, don't you think it's about time you win a game in September? I mean, it's only been since 2018. That'd be nice, right? Just once, maybe? Jose in Brooklyn is up next. 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Jose? How you doing, man? I'm just calling because I'm a little, uh, I've been calling in because I've been watching, I've been listening to the radio all week long, and I kind of find this story just hilarious and painstakingly stupid because <laughs> it's just like, what, like, holding receipts, I don't know what the hell, like, I'm just like, I don't know how that causes a firestorm, but I get that this is how, you know, the, med- the people need something to talk about, so we're going to blow it out of proportion. And also, I just wanted to talk about the game coming up this weekend. I think the Jets have no chance in winning this game. I uh, I just think that Jacoby Brissett is just better than Joe Flacco and Mike White right now, and there's just no way this Browns defense is just going to let up this early in the season because they're trying to get off to a hot start too, and they, they and I just don't see the I just don't don't see this working out well for the Jets, and I'm tired of and I'm also tired of the, this idea of. Um, the, the 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 quarterback that they have now that they drafted number two overall as the savior when he just doesn't look good he 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 just he he just looks like he plays like garbage and I'm just not understanding why this there there is a need to defend to defend him when we just clearly see he's not a good quarterback. Well, I, I mean, Jose, thanks for the phone call. And look, the guys play 13 games in the NFL. You know, we're, we're not going to bury him after one year. Jets certainly aren't. 
you know, it's still too small of a sample size. You know who else didn't look too good his first couple of years as a quarterback in this city, in this town, and had injury issues and had a hard time staying on the field, and even his head coach didn't believe in him and, and made him the backup quarterback? A guy whose number is retired now and he play, you know, with the Giants, a guy by the name of Phil Simms, Super Bowl MVP, that guy. You know, go back once upon a time and go check out Phil Simms' first couple of years in this city and where he was in the minds of Giants fans. Remember, they booed Phil Simms the day he was drafted. They booed him because they used a high pick on a quarterback from Moorhead State. People in this city are like, Moorhead State, what the hell is that? Where is that? What's a Moorhead? I think it turned out okay for Phil Simms. And look, it may or it may not for, for Zach Wilson. We don't know. That's why this year is so important, and that's why this injury, even though it's not of a major variety and they dodged the bullet, and he'll be back here, you hope, in the next couple of weeks, you need every single game, every single rep to continue this evaluation of what you have in him. That's why this was such a critical season. And also, you can't apply Jose's logic to, you know, how a game is going to turn out because he thinks that, you know, Jacoby Brissett is better than Joe Flacco. Well, you know what? Russell Wilson's better than Geno Smith. And how did the game Monday night turn out? There's a lot more guys that have a hand in the outcome of a football game than the quarterback. And by the way, Jacoby Brissett, you know, Jacoby Brissett leaves a lot to be desired. If you go back and you watch that game week one, all right, I'm sure that the Jet coaches went to, went to school on the game plan here. Jacoby Brissett, he's got a nice arm. Problem is, he don't know where the hell it's going. And I would almost dare him to beat me down the field because almost every throw the guy made down the field last week, he overshot his receiver by about five yards. That would be the game plan. Stop the run, make Jacoby Brissett beat me. I'll take my chances doing that. 